Welcome to the Global Franchise Podcast, keeping you up to speed with the biggest trends and updates in the international franchise industry. I'm Kieran McLoon, Deputy Editor for Global Franchise Magazine. Before listening to this episode, don't forget to enter your brand into the highly anticipated Global Franchise Awards 2021, which have an entry deadline of the 29th of March 2021 at 5pm GMT. More information can be found at globalfranchisemagazine.com forward slash awards. While boutique fitness is on the rise, it's tricky to topple the impressive legacy that traditional gym franchisors like Snap Fitness have managed to achieve. Founded in 2003, Snap Fitness now has over 2,000 locations open or in development, and its perfection of the 24-7 fitness model has elevated the brand into truly global status. But simply offering cardio workouts and strength training isn't enough in today's fitness franchise market, especially when the problems presented by the pandemic continue to be a burden on regular operations for all concepts within this competitive space. So, how has Snap Fitness managed to stay on top where others have rapidly fallen by the wayside? To find out, we wanted to speak with Ty Menzies, global CEO of parent company Lyft Brands, and Andy Pete, Chief Product Officer for Snap Fitness, about how this 24-hour franchise is achieving round-the-clock results. Hiya, Ty and Andy. Welcome to the podcast. How are we all doing today? Very well, thank you. It's lovely to be here. Good, thank you. Thanks for having us. Good to hear. Um, so if we start with just kind of uh, a look at Snap Fitness and both of your your careers with the brand, um, could you kind of walk me through your your background with both franchising as a wider model, but also specifically with the Lyft Brands organization? So Andy, if we if we start with you on that one. Yeah, sure. So um, my, my career in franchising is essentially in its entirety with the Lyft Brands organization. So I started off as a as a club manager of the very first Snap Fitness in um, New Zealand in 2009. Um, so just over 11 years now with with the brand, and, and since then evolved um, my career through selling franchises and growing the business um, right at the start of the whole 24 hour industry fitness boom that sort of took place in Australia and New Zealand. And I was fortunate enough to um, be able to hold numerous corporate roles throughout that decade through uh, whether it be selling selling franchises through to um, C-suite roles like a, a CEO and a COO. Um, I also held a number of franchises uh, myself with some some friends of mine across the Snap Fitness and Nine Round brand, both in Australia and New Zealand. Um, I spent a couple of years in Australia as the CEO of Australia um, and then working alongside Ty as the COO of the Asia-Pacific region um, since 2018 and then recently took on the role of Chief Product Officer for the for the global business for Lyft Brands um, working underneath Ty there. So it's been it's been a it's been a, a great 11 years and uh, plenty of opportunity and um, one thing that the fitness industry gives that a lot of other industries don't give is that uh, endless opportunity to be able to um, either grow your own businesses or, or climb through the ranks. A lot of a lot of scalable uh, brands happening that gives young, hungry people an opportunity to be part of from day one. Right, so a real plethora of different roles at the organisation, as you say. And um, and Ty is obviously your global CEO at the currently of Lyft Brands. But what kind of led to that point? How how has your career trajectory panned out up until now? Yeah, look, it's a different journey than, than Andy. I've been in the organisation for a little over five years now. Um, prior to that, I've uh, been in franchising since uh, shortly after leaving school. I started uh, my first uh, health club 
which I purchased uh, into a brand, uh, an Australian brand called EFM Health Clubs. Uh, they have about 70 odd stores across the, the Australian market. And um, I ended up with three of those uh, myself. I purchased the first one just before my first 20, uh, my 21st birthday. So as I said, been in franchising a long time. Um, worked with that franchisor from both being a franchisee and on the franchisor side. Um, so whilst I was a franchisee, I uh, was their national sales manager as well. And Spent quite a few years with those guys and, and really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I started to exit um, a couple of those stores and, and stepped into some of my own independent 24-7 gyms, um, ran them for, for a number of years and sold out of most things and um, was was making a slight move in, in what I was doing and um, moved from sort of Melbourne in Australia up to Queensland and came across the uh, the franchisors for, for Snap Fitness at the time um, for Australia and New Zealand and um, had some conversations and that led to me coming on board as their national sales manager. Um, you know, I was in that role for about 10 months um, before being offered the, the role of CEO for Australia. Um, and um, we went through a bit of acquisition work and, and that sort of led to us taking on um, a, a larger role in, uh, in the whole of the uh, Asia Pacific region. So, you know, ran that up until June of last year um, where you know, our, our global CEO um, decided that uh, that he was moving on, and, uh, and the conversation came with our private equity and, and investors to um, to look at taking on the, the global CEO role. So, mid um, pandemic, uh, I made the decision to to take that on. Obviously, a challenging time to step into any new role, um, bar one moving to the other side of the globe and to the US from Australia. So. Certainly a challenge from that perspective, but it's been a great ride. So I've been sitting in the global CEO role now for just a little over eight months. Right. Okay. And as anyone sort of familiar with the fitness industry will know is that it's an incredibly competitive one. And yet Snap Fitness is this very prominent name within the the global fitness industry. Um, and Ty, what would your kind of elevator pitch be to investors who, you know, maybe they've been living under a rock, don't know what Snap Fitness is? Why would you say that it's a, it's a worthy investment when compared to so many other competitors? Mm, yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think there's there's two critical things, and it and it depends on um, on, on a few aspects uh, as to who the investor is and where they're located. Um, if I talk about Snap Fitness as a brand in the first instance, um, I, I think the the critical piece is uh, there's there's a little bit more flexibility. And in franchising, having been in franchising for so long, the more flexibility we give to people, the more challenging sometimes it can be for us to control. But what's really important in the fitness industry is to, to allow um, flexibility to um, within your region, within your style. You know, fitness is one of those areas where we get a lot of investors coming because they're very passionate about what they do. And so they want to give their own bit of flavour to their business. And so there is some flexibility in the model. Um, and that's dependent upon the size of space you take, the inclusions of the product that you you, you deliver within your, your, your club. Um, and so there's there's that element to it. The other element that I would always say in franchising, you know, you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. And so when I look at it from that perspective, um, Lift Brands has an extremely strong presence in every time zone. We have a very strong office in the Americas. We have a very uh, strong office and team in uh, based out of London in the UK to support our EMEA region. We have a very large team um, based out of Brisbane, Australia on the East Coast there to, to support our Asia Pacific team. So, and, and, and actually a small office in New Zealand. So, you know, from a perspective of franchisee support, we're very well placed to do that and um, probably more so than any of our competitors. And, and I suppose when we look at our competitors, most of them only run a master franchise or model. Um, it's not a direct market model where, 
you know, for us, we do run master franchise oil models in, in a number of regions, and there are certainly more opportunities for those that are looking for something um, larger in that respect and, and maybe not necessarily just looking for an individual or a small um, holding of clubs, but maybe a, a potential region, that there are those opportunities available. And we do go down the master franchise oil route. Um, but for us, having those direct offices from lift brands in those regions is a really critical element to supporting our franchisees. And you won't get that with any other franchise or any other franchise brand. Sure. Yeah. So it's a very global network, but it's not spread thin, as you say. There's a lot of different hubs for for franchisees around the world. Um, and and Andy, one of the main differentiators, it seems, for Snap Fitness is kind of in the name. You know, is this twenty four seven operation? And is that something that you think will, um, as as you know, as we come into this new decade, do you think that's something that will necessarily dominate the fitness industry, or do you think there's still space for the many different boutique and um, varied options? I mean, Lift Brands obviously, of course, owns um, Nine Round as well, which is quite different to Snap Fitness. So, what are your thoughts on twenty four seven fitness as a leading uh, area of the industry? Yeah, I think um, it's definitely not going anywhere. That's for sure. I think that. What we've found in the last decade is definitely the rise of the 24-hour chains and clubs like your Snaps and and other ones. But you've also seen some of the more traditional brands around the world convert to 24-7 access at the same time. I think that that shows that that commitment from from particularly in the big box sector converting to 24-7 is is that it's not going anywhere. People like the convenience of of being able to come in whenever they want. And what I've found in my experience in dealing with members firsthand is it's not it's not necessarily that they like to come at midnight or 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. or something crazy like that. That certainly does appeal to to shift workers in a certain demographic. It's more so the fact that, you know, people like to come at 5 a.m. when a gym traditionally opens at 6, or they like to come at Sunday night at 9 p.m. when it traditionally closes at 5. Well, Christmas morning, I was at the gym and Christmas morning, it was packed. It was absolutely packed. Um, I don't believe that that convenience that we are now um, we have now made the normal is, is going to go anywhere. In fact, I think that you'll start to see some of the boutique operators in the next decade, they'll start to um, add their own flavor to that and, and start to expand their offering to, to, how to how do they make their offering more convenient to people in, in times um, that aren't necessarily just class times. So... I don't think it's going anywhere. It will enhance what what I've generally found is when it comes to the what people want with their gym offerings is they typically um, and it's ironic, but they they typically don't like they don't like to be restricted when it comes to their fitness offerings. So they're very lazy. They like convenience and, and being able to come whenever they want. It, it, it adds to that and have it close to their homes. So um, I think if anything, you'll start to see. Uh, more and more conversions of traditional gyms into that 24-7 because it's becoming a bit of a box ticker for for consumers when they're looking at what gym they want to join. Right, okay. So it's very flexible from the consumer point of view. But uh, just out of curiosity, are there any differences from a a franchisee point of view in running a 24-7 operation versus maybe a more um, concrete, timetabled, you know, class-based model? Is there any kind of unique aspects to a a brand like Snap Fitness running 24-7? Yeah, so the biggest biggest difference is if it, it comes in your labor, essentially. So if you're going to run a traditional model where you're open from five o'clock in the morning till 10 p.m. at night, uh, you're going to have someone there the whole time. So you're going to have a presence, a receptionist, a trainer, um, a manager, someone looking after the space throughout that time. 
what the 24 7 uh, offering allows is a bit more flexibility on on your labor costs so it's one of the beauty of our model is you don't necessarily have to have 20 staff members to operate a gym we have many successful clubs that operate with one or two full-time full-time people and they don't necessarily have to be there the whole time the the members are educated to come into the door themselves just by swiping a card educated on the safety precautions that come with um, being in an unsupervised environment and what our job is to do from a corporate aspect is to take the the programming and experience that comes with a staffed gym and a boutique gym where where there is interactions with humans and be able to provide that to the best of our ability via via our digital experience and via a programming arm to our business that we're that we're starting to get into so um look both models have pros and cons um but definitely from a from an overhead perspective being the 24 Four seven offering allows you just to um, be able to trade whenever, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, and not necessarily have to pay someone to be there the whole time. Right. Okay. So as you say, they both got pros and cons, but it sounds like it's very much here to stay um, and be a real staple of the fran- uh, the fitness franchising landscape. Um, Ty, I wonder if you'd be able to tell me a little more about one of the the big developments that came out of Snap Fitness recently, which was uh, I think it was back in October last year. Um, this reacquisition of the the master franchising rights in the UK and Ireland. Um, what does that mean for for the franchise network? How does that you know develop the brand, and why is that something that people should get excited about moving forward for Snap Fitness? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, let me start with uh, my experience. You know, obviously, when I stepped into the role as global CEO, I, I had a look at some of our opportunities and where we didn't have that direct-to-market um, support. And um, one of the, the key areas was our EMEA region in the UK. Um, so that started to make some sense to look into a little bit further. That aside, um, you know, whilst I was sitting in the seat um, as the Australian New Zealand CEO, we made a decision to to have a conversation around um, selling the master franchise all rights. Um, at that point in time, Lyft Brands um, uh, looked at that opportunity and, and made that acquisition. Um, what did that do for the Australian New Zealand business and the, the, the APAC business as a whole? Well, it really allowed us to invest further and heavier to support our franchisees much more significantly than what we had been able to previously do with a master franchise all model. Um, not to say that we weren't supporting them, but um, certainly the additional investment uh, really helped. And so when I stepped into the global role, I looked at the fact that we had direct support and obviously the, the North American region um, into uh, the APAC region, but we didn't have that direct support into the EMEA region. Um, and hence, it made a lot of sense to start exploring that with our then um, area developers um, in the region. And um, look, our area developer in, in the UK region had done a tremendous job up until this point. Um, you know, they've been in, in in the UK for about six years, opened around 70-odd uh, clubs, which is a tremendous trajectory. Um, and we have a number of clubs still yet to open, a number in, in what we call sold, not open territories there waiting to open. And, I mean, we have three clubs ready to open as soon as the lockdowns um, cease in the UK, which is obviously challenging to have brand-new clubs there ready to open but um, being restricted by the government at the moment. And so when we look at that, um, really it's about a franchisee support model. Um, it's making sure that we have enough support going into the region. And so that was one of the critical drivers as to why it made a lot of sense for us to approach the, the area developer and have a conversation around the acquisition. They were very um, amenable to it and, and obviously we were able to get a deal done. 
the other side of it really is about the growth side. It's it's the the growth into the in particular the European market for us. Um, you know, where I look at uh, the development that's occurred in the UK for us, um, the area developer has certainly got to a point. But again, the area developer, you know, only necessarily so much investment they will put into the business. And for us, we really wanted to um, accelerate growth, in particular in the UK and and Ireland, um, and that's certainly. Um, uh, ready to, to kick off as soon as we come out of lockdown. We've invested quite significantly in resourcing. We've doubled our footprint of, of people on the ground in our UK office from pre-acquisition. So there's been a significant investment in that space around development, um, support and so on. Um, and we'll continue to do that as we grow. Um, but it's also about having um, a really strong team in that time zone to support our master franchisors and to continue to develop in some of the countries that we're not currently in throughout the European um, region. And that, that's really the critical critical components. Yeah. And on that note of um, support, I know that uh, one of the things that's sort of really driven through all communications out of Snap Fitness is this idea of the um, the one team initiative. Um, could you just kind of unpack that a little bit and uh, yeah, explain to me what that looks like from a franchisee point of view? Mm, sure. Um, I, I think I, I touched on it before, you know, um, franchising is about being in business for yourself, but not by yourself. Um yeah, and and at times in 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 small business, and I've been in small business for a long time, and I watch my parents in small business and, and everything else. It can be quite a lonely place. Um, and being part of a franchise network, really, the the critical component of franchising is is this idea of being part of a, a broader community, a bigger family, a support network that are there to help you outside of necessarily the franchise or themselves. And sometimes your biggest support factor can be your fellow franchisees. Um, and so when I talk about one team, it's not necessarily just the, the franchisee to franchisee relationship. It's the relationships that are bound that make us successful across the board. Um, and so the critical relationships there are certainly franchisee to franchisee, franchisee to franchisor, and ensuring that we have a really integral um, intricate relationship and that that relationship is working well and I you know one of our values is family first and I, I talk to family first like any family, right? We're gonna, you know, ideally we love each other and, and, you know, we like each other, we want to work with each other, we have great relationships. But, you know, being part of a big family means that at times we're going to have some robust conversations. There's going to be challenging conversations. You know, our franchisees are going to challenge us and vice versa. And that's the way it should be. You know, when those sort of conversations are happening, we're improving the organisation, we're improving our operations. And, and, and you know, that's that's what's required in franchising and why it's so powerful. Um and so, you know, look, when I stepped into the organisation, I came from a, you know, a franchise network that, that had some great culture that was really, um, that showed that one team ethos, didn't necessarily talk about it being one team, but really had a great culture. And uh, there's just some areas within the business with lift brands that, that maybe that was lacking a little bit. Some of the relationship pieces weren't necessarily always um, family first thinking and um, even the relationships with our suppliers and our vendors, you know, they're a critical component to our success moving forward, ensuring that our franchisees are getting best price, best service from our vendors, but also that our vendors are being looked after and that, you know, it's a win-win situation for what really needs to be a win-win-win situation. So, you know, our vendors and suppliers need to be getting a good deal. We need to be getting a good deal as a franchisor, but our franchisees critically need to be getting a good deal. And so it, it, the one-team ethos encompasses everything we do. Um, and if I was to sum it up just with a few words, you know, we ask the question when we bring new Snap franchisees into the business, well, what is one team to you? And we get all sorts of different responses. 
But the reality is it's, it's really simple. We're in this together. Um, and that's, that's as simple as it needs to be. Yeah, no, it's a very easy thing to get behind when it is so um, universal like that. Um, and just talking about the the network as a whole. Um, so for people who might not be aware, what does the, the Snap Fitness International Network currently look like, but also probably more critically, um, what's, what's, how's that going to develop in 2021? Because you touched upon your opening new locations in the UK this year. Um, are there any big developments in the pipeline that people can look forward to in the coming months? Yeah, well, look, I mean, Andy could touch on a lot of the exciting developments from a, um, a I suppose, customer acquisition and, and retention perspective. So some of the, the developments we're doing with um, onboarding and apps and program design and everything else, um, you know, they're all really exciting developments and innovations that are coming to the brand. Um, you know, that's a slightly different component. I've also talked to more the development of the, the brand itself and where we're going from a Snap Fitness perspective. Um you know, very exciting. The UK acquisition was a really big one for us. And obviously, the European region for us is, is a really critical focus and one that we're heavily focused on. Um, something that's also very exciting is we've just recently opened our first um, club in November in, in the Japan market in Tokyo. Um, we have some very strong partners in, in that region. Um, they're anticipating some pretty significant growth with um, development schedule there for um, over 350 stores or, or clubs over the next uh, next five years. So they have a very strong development schedule. Um, they're investing heavily into the business. Our, our first store is performing very strongly. So you're going to see some really good growth into the Asian market as well for us. Um, we're heavily focused into some of those other Asian regions, certainly Japan, um, we're having some conversations around Singapore, um, Thailand. We're, we're interested in going into the, the, the China market, obviously a very challenging market, one that we've been researching for quite some time, talking to a couple of critical partners at the moment. So, you know, certainly we're not slowing down. Um, as I said, we have um, a number of opportunities through um, through the Australian market. Still, the UK is a, is a huge opportunity for us and, um, and we're going to continue to push fairly significantly into that region and hence while we're making um, quite significant investments into both of those regions. Um, you know, the North American business for us is a is a business that um, we're working on slightly changing the model. Um, you know, uh, a lot of our stores are a little bit older in the US, um, and so um, refurbishment of our existing fleet is a really uh, big focus rather than opening new stores in the short term. So we want to make sure that we bring our existing fleet up to the new spec. Um, and bring it to a, a much more competitive landscape before we push significantly back into the franchising space in the North American business, um, but still obviously opening some some wonderful new stores in the North American business as well. And so, you know, the, the great thing about the, the structure we currently have is that we have a fantastic regional CEO in APAC, a fantastic regional CEO in the EMEA region, and, and obviously we've got our North American um, operations. And so we have a really strong footprint to continue to grow quite significantly in each of those regions. Yeah, a lot of really exciting growth across the board by the sounds of it um, in every market you currently operate in. Um, and Andy, would you be able to tell me a little about what uh, Ty just mentioned there, some of the more, I suppose, consumer-facing um, upgrades and innovations that Snap Fitness is rolling out over the coming months? Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll definitely be uh, not not reveal everything, so cautious on what I say because, you know, you, you can't <laughs> make competitors here, but... We we're very much uh, we very much have made a commitment into assuring that the business is, is keeping up with a number of trends, in particular in the digital space. So, um, you know, Ty has made significant investment into ensuring that our franchisees have a digital offering to them, provide to their members, to um, not only help them um, 
retain members. That's a that's a major factor for it. But we really are committed to taking the Snap Fitness brand outside the four walls of the gym as well. We want members to be touched by the brand in, in their everyday life in a holistic approach. One of our, our core values is, is wellness above all else. And, and that goes beyond the physical side of fitness. It goes to the mental side. What are they doing in the kitchen? Um, you know, how are they progressing in general? So, you know, we're, we're building out a, a digital experience that essentially encompasses all of that, um, which is really exciting, whilst at the same time, not trying to be an expert in everything, because that's when you get a little bit unstuck. Traditionally, with, with Snap, like a number of 24-hour franchises, we very much were a, what I call a set-and-forget model, where you, you, you sign up, you get an access card, you can come to the gym, there's a personal trainer there if you want one, and, and, and that was really it. And that, and that worked extremely well for a number of years. Um, but like all all things, businesses and, and consumer needs progress. Um, so we've definitely started to uh, approach the, the more of the programming aspect and, and engagement of members and their, and their program. We're seeing that consumers are more aware and willing to spend more on things like group fitness and, and coach-led training. Um, the boutiques are a, a classic case study of that and have essentially educated the market. So we've we've invested into rolling out um, some coach-led programming um, that's specific to SNAP, that's really, really encompassing of things like strength, cardio, um, team, so team, team classes, as well as the flexibility side of things. Um, that mobility and recovery movement is, is we believe, going to be um, really important over the next five to 10 years, and most gyms will encompass some sort of mobility and recovery aspect to the gym. On top of that, we're we're looking at the actual physical size of our club. So we, we have everything from a I'll, I'll deal in square meters here and square we have everything from a hundred and eighty square meter uh, club in Australia all the way through to a two thousand square meter club in, in the US. So they're very they're very spread across the different offerings. What Ty and I are very interested in diving into in the next few months is are we going to put are we going to put some minimum criteria on that and where is the model going for the next 10 years in terms of the physical footprint of it because there's certain aspects that we are including in all our clubs now that are, are non-negotiable we're, we're very big on functional training we believe that that's here to stay um, and the way that we deal with functional trainings is a little bit different to some of the some of our competitors who who just stick a couple of um, accessory rigs and some kettlebells in the corner and call it functional training we're we're a lot more uh, aligned in the sense of we want the equipment, but we want the programming to to um, to go with it. And an example of this that I that I use when talking about functional training is the 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 difference between what our female demographics used to do compared to what they do now, and how gyms have adapted to it. We used to line all our clubs up with eight to ten treadmills as an absolute minimum for one of our normal size clubs. Nowadays. It's it can be similar, but you typically find six or seven, maybe even a little bit less. But what you do find is they've gone from one squat rack to seven or eight squat racks, and that's because the girls have gone from the treadmill to the squat rack, and and, and that's awesome to see because they're 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 all about getting stronger, and that's the the certain look that they're going through. And social media's got a big part part to play in that. And we've had to adapt our model to that. And the the next element to it is ensuring that the programming matches the the products so uh, we've got a number of uh, exciting exciting things coming out in terms of actually defining the zones that live within our club um, and the great thing about 
Ty talked a little bit earlier about some of the flexibility we offer is different countries sometimes require different features. And uh, I'll use our Japan club, for an example. They, the, the biggest demographic of, of gym goes in Japan is, is people over the age of 55. That makes up literally half, I think, of, of all gym members there. Um, maybe don't quote me on that, but it's certainly significant. Um, so we've introduced uh, a product there called the BioCircuit via one of our suppliers, TechnoGym, which is a, um, a circuit of uh, 10 stations that's very high tech, low impact and easy to use um, on your joints and muscles and really doesn't require that much instruction. Um, so we adapt our products to the market and um, we, we call it prescribed flexibility. But really the company you know, has been around for over 15 years now. We've, we've, we've never had more focus on innovation um, than we do right now. And certainly since Ty's taken on leadership, the leadership in the company, he's backed that up with the commitment and what we roll out over the next 24 months, I think, is um, going to bring us back to being a, a leader in the in the fitness franchising space for sure. Yeah, no, it's really interesting to hear how, how adapted the model is to certain markets. And I'm sure that's something that a lot of franchisees will be really happy to hear as well, because you want a brand that can suit a market rather than come and try and almost um, force, you know, its model to fit in a in a round hole when it's a square peg. Um, one of the things I just want to bring back to that you mentioned there, Andy, is this idea that um, you're not aiming to necessarily be uh, an expert in everything. And, you know, a lot of uh, franchisees may want to get into the fitness industry, but they aren't necessarily an expert in fitness. They haven't got that kind of background like you two have. Um, would you say that that's something that is important when partnering with Snap Fitness or are there certain other traits um, of your franchisees, which are probably more preferable than just a knowledge of fitness? Yeah, look, you, you have to be interested in fitness, I think, to own a fitness business. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a qualified personal trainer but I, I think to have to do anything in life there has to and do it well there has to be interest in it because that's where your enjoyment comes and if you're not interested in something ultimately it becomes a chore and as soon as something becomes a chore you, you're not set up for success so uh it's a really great question and you know i'll answer it and i'd also love to hear ty's perspective on it as well but i personally believe that you you do need to be interested in fitness now do you need to be an expert to run a successful gym no, um, because you do end up surrounding yourselves with more of that fitness knowledge. And we, as the franchisor, we give you the tools that you need to to ensure that you're on trend. You just need to follow the playbook that we'll give you. In saying that, I would say the most um, important elements for, for franchisees to have is, is a real, real passion for customer service um, and a real understanding about what that is. And that is been absolutely religious on keeping a clean club and that, i think that should go for any business not just gyms but keeping it really really clean saying hello saying goodbye is the absolute basics when someone enters and exits the club and that comes back to enjoying being around people and and having a personality that allows you to do that some personalities don't and that that's okay there's other things that are better suited for them and particularly in our nine round brand which is a hundred percent interaction based between trainer and member it's all about having the right people and when we um when we took on when we took on the snap fitness business in australia and new zealand you know 11 years ago we had a vast number of franchisees who who came and ultimately opened multiple clubs and 
because of the timing of it and and the way we ran it, everyone was extremely successful. The ones who are still in it today are the ones who who do genuinely enjoy fitness, and they genuinely understand that their their job is to look after the members as as best as possible, and those members will stick around with them regardless of whether a cheaper gym's open down the road. Yeah, definitely. And um, Ty, have you got any other thoughts on that idea of being a fitness expert to open a fitness club? I think Ben has just covered most of my points, but uh, <laughs> no, look, I think we're, we're, we're pretty well aligned on that. The great thing about our industry is that it's a space that a lot of people are passionate about. And, you know, to hang up your boots in a, uh, a corporate job, nine to five job, and, and be able to work with people and, and, and change lives every day is a tremendous space to be working in. And so, you know, we deal with with really passionate people every day. And, um, and I would say, you know, if you're not, if you don't have some passion or interest in, in, in fitness and health and, and wellness, then maybe it's not the right investment for you. Um, I think Andy's right on the money there. That being said, you know, it's so long as you're really well connected to your business, that you genuinely care, that you, you know, you're, you're spending time within and, and on your business, um, they're the really critical components. And so it is a business that can run without you know, a super passionate fitness uh, fitnesspreneur, I suppose I'd call it. But, um, you know, we certainly want someone that, uh, that that's connected to the business. And so, I, you know, I, I talk about more than anything else, um, when, you're, when you're looking at a business to invest in, um, you know, who are you? Um, you really need to understand who you are, how you interact. You know, if you're the sort of person that can't work as part of a team, that can't follow requirements um, even though there's flexibility there you know in, in, in our model and any model in franchising there are requirements there is a model that that creates success this is not a business where you're in business by yourself and only by yourself um, this is a business where you need to follow the requirements of the franchise or in the franchise system um, and so I always say to people if if you know if you you want to be a part of a great team you want someone to help you and, and hold your hand along the way um, then franchising is the space to be in. Um, and look, franchising has been great for me, even though, you know, I have that entrepreneurial spirit as, as Andy does. It's great to be part of an organisation where you can reach out to a fellow franchisee and say, hey, look, I'm having this issue. You know, how, how did you get through it? I know you've been through this yourself. Um, and so that's a, that's a really powerful thing to have um, as part of an organisation. But there's people that just, you know what, they, they just don't fit the model. And you know, they may be passionate about fitness, but they may be better off going out there and doing their own thing. And, you know, whether that's because they just can't be a team player, whether that's because they've got a huge amount of experience already in business and they know what they're going to do, um, that, that, you know, that's obviously how new new brands and new ideas are born. And so I would never hold someone back from doing that. But, you know, if you want to be part of a great team, um, you know, an organisation that's there to support, then franchising's great. And look, I always say to people when they come in, um, you know, I present our SNAP to, to our new SNAP University participants every time we, we get new um, SNAP franchisees come on board. And one of the things that I say is that, you know, we're going to lean into you. But the more you lean back into us and our support mechanism, the more you're going to get out of this, the more successful you are going to be. Not to, to say that everything we tell you is going to be the, the best and, and perfect, but, you know, it's just that leaning in, that you know, getting your questions answered straight away or very quickly, getting that extra little bit of support on something that you're unsure about, they're the benefits. Um, and so, you know, certainly we see our franchisees who do that perform um, far and away better than, than our others. And so I always say in franchising, 
the more you lean in, the more you, you be, be part of the team and the, the one team ethos, then the more successful you're going to be. Sure. And uh, I think you've kind of touched on it there, Ty. But the, the last question I had for the both of you um, was just maybe for entrepreneurs who haven't been involved in the franchise industry previously, who have decided that 2021 is the year that they want to start getting into business um, for themselves, but not by themselves, as you said. Have you got any kind of crucial pieces of advice or philosophies that have guided you along your careers that you would impart upon people maybe listening to this and wanting to get involved in franchising for the first time? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I think that I, I do believe that with um, with the way the world has gone in the last 12 months, and certainly for, for 2021, people are starting to think about what they're doing, right? And whether they love what they're doing. I'd say the first things first is, is find something that you're interested in. Um, and that makes sense to you. That's the first thing that I look at with any business investment or, or anything that I've done in the past. And I've certainly made mistakes in this in the past is does it make sense to me? Um, and, and that that solves a lot of problems straight away. The second part of it is, um, if you're interested in it, is do do you have the the resourcing to be able to do it? Go, do, going into businesses like going into war, you you, you can't be underfunded and underprepared, um, and that's where we come in. So asking questions, so finding finding a, a franchise that a interests you, b fits within your budget, um, and c is willing to answer the questions that you have and just like any anything in life with interactions, you're going to get good feelings and bad feelings. So when you're dealing with when you're dealing with a company, um, you, you know you see how you feel with the people that you're dealing with. Go into the locations that they have opening now. See how you feel about the culture. Talk to the franchisees. Find out what their experience is. And then, of course, when it gets to the nitty gritty side of things, when it comes to franchise agreements and it comes to financials, if you're not an expert. Pay a little bit of money and get yourself a, a good accountant, a good lawyer who can explain everything to you. And and ultimately, it's worth it, it's worth the investment to get to the point where you understand everything around the opportunity um, before you say yes or no. But there, there's there's no better time to to get into franchising, I think, because the the systems and supporting support networks are just so they're just they're just so robust it's just follow the playbook and you to have people who hold your hand and and truly truly understand that we only succeed as franchisors if the franchisee succeeds you know it, it doesn't work if you end up closing and failing so it's in our best interest to keep you open and um i i think that you know if someone follows that play they've at least put themselves into a position where they can make an educated decision that suits their life yeah, so just really do your homework before you you dive in head first. Um, you got anything else to add on to that tie that's kind of helped you throughout your career? You know, again, I think um, Andy's touched on all the critical points, really. <laughs> but uh, I, that's why I let him go first, and I just follow up with a few little extra comments. But uh, <laughs> look, I, I mean, at the end of the day, um, the great uh, thing about franchising is that uh, you know it's been done for you, and um, and so. You know, I will always say to someone, make sure you have the right advice. Um, having the, the right advice from uh, lawyers, accountants, et cetera, is, is critical to any business investment or any investment full stop. And so if you don't have that group of people around you, certainly we can help talk you through what you need. Um, but the great thing about franchising is that we've got that roadmap for you. Um, if you are coming out of a corporate job, you know, you, you've got some money there, you're ready to invest in something and you don't know where to go, what to do, you need to do all this research. I mean, the great thing about it is that we've had 
thousands of people, not not just a few, but thousands of people come to us in that same situation prior to you. And so we can talk you through every single step of the journey. Um, and so I think that's a really critical piece um, is that we've been there with you before. You're not in a in a boat that's unsimilar for, for other people that have come to us prior to you. And so taking that leap um, is 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 the, is the first step, right? Reach out, have a conversation with us, and we'll talk you through it. Um, but uh, yeah, look, I won't touch on any of the other points. Um, I think you know that's that's probably the critical one more than anything else. Um, and uh, and yeah, we're here to support from that perspective. Yeah, I think that's a really great note to end on of support, and um, especially for people who maybe. Uh, aren't you know invested in franchising already uh it, this could be the year that they they make that leap so um thanks very much for your your time today ty and andy it's been really great speaking with you both about snap fitness but also the the fitness industry as a whole and uh yeah really looking forward to seeing what's what's new from you guys as hopefully the pandemic starts to clear a little bit and uh everything looks a bit brighter thank you yeah thanks so much we, we greatly appreciate your time The idea of fitness providing opportunities to entrepreneurs is one that I'm sure many brands assert as their guiding philosophy, but Snap Fitness genuinely has the figures to back it up. Whether it's through the numerous support centres around the world that Ty mentioned or the upcoming innovations for consumers teased by Andy, this is a brand that's always looking to push the bar when it comes to opening doors and providing guidance. Ty's idea of family first being a positive thing, but also encompassing the tough conversations that franchisors need to have with their franchisees was refreshing, because it shows that being a leading franchise brand isn't always sunshine and rainbows. It takes a a lot of hard work uh, and communication to overcome hurdles along the way. We'd be keen to hear your thoughts on this. Have you ever had to have a tough conversation with your franchisor, which has resulted in a stronger relationship after the fact? Make sure to let us know. If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. To keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the global franchise experts, subscribe to the magazine, hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn today.